Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, if you've walked with Jesus for years upon years upon years, or you're just exploring this Christianity thing, I want to welcome you, and I want you to feel a part of this wonderful community we have here at Covenant Church. My name is Ben Espinoza. For those who don't know me, I serve on staff here at Covenant. And, uh, and if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines and practices that we incorporate into our lives that help us grow in our relationship with God as well as our relationships with one another and help us foster this new heart that we've been given in Jesus Christ. For a couple of weeks, Steve Risky from Brookside, a member of our teaching team, he talked about the practices of fasting and of servanthood. Last week, I talked about the practice, the practice of solitude, how solitude is that time where we connect with God, reconnect with God, and where he kind of gives us his marching orders. He clarifies, he defines his will for our lives. And what I want to do to close out this sermon series is talk about a discipline, a practice that I've been wrestling to get into my life. And before I get talking about that practice, I want to show you a commercial that, that my guess, you know, most of you have probably seen. And uh, I want you to think critically about it because we're going to be uh, addressing it a little later in the sermon. So take a look. Why do we work so hard? Why do we work so hard? For what? For this? For stuff? Other countries, they work, they stroll home, they stop by the cafe, they take August off. Off. Why aren't you like that? Why aren't we like that? Because we're crazy, driven, hardworking believers, that's why. Those other countries think we're nuts. Whatever. Were the Wright brothers insane? Bill Gates, Les Paul, Ali. Were we nuts when we pointed to the moon? That's right. We went up there, you know what we got? Bored. So we left. Got a car up there, left the keys in it. Do you know why? Because we're the only ones going back up there, that's why. But I digress. It's pretty simple. You work hard, you create your own luck, and you gotta believe anything is possible. As for all the stuff, that's the upside of only taking two weeks off in August. Nespa? Now, I like that commercial. I like it when he gives his daughter a high five. I think that's pretty cool. But let's be honest. As Christians, there's a lot that we could disagree with in that commercial. Not just the notion of seeking material wealth or gain, but also the notion that somehow rest should have a little, small, very, very, very small piece in our lives. And today I want to talk about the topic of Sabbath, because I think we have a bunch of mixed opinions out there regarding what we do with this particular command that we find in the Ten Commandments, as well as what we find throughout Scripture. And I want to look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus addresses this topic head on. So if you have your copy of God's Word, please turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. Now let me say a word about reading Scripture. If you forget anything else that I'm about to say in this sermon... Don't forget about the Word of God, because my words are going to pass away, just like it says in the Bible. They're just like grass, it just withers away, the flower fades. But the Word of God, it lives forever. So I I want to just pay attention to what God has to say in His Word for us this morning, and allow it to transform you. There's something special that happens when we read Scripture out loud, so please read with me. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, 
his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those men who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him? And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I pray that you'll use your word to transform our lives, our minds, and our hearts, Lord. I pray that you'll open our eyes, minds, to what you want us to hear this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So up until this point in the book of Mark, Jesus is doing all kinds of amazing works in Galilee. But Jesus is met with opposition by Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes, whom I've mentioned before are these quasi-religio-political-social leaders of the day who held rigidly to the Hebrew Bible and the law of Moses. And they conjured up over 600 laws that the Jews would follow based on the law of Moses. And at the beginning of Mark 2, Jesus sees a paralytic man. And he tells him out of the blue, son, your sins are forgiven you. And one of these religious leaders says, you're a blasphemer. You can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus answers him and says, look, what's easier to say, get up and walk or say your sins are forgiven? I'm the son of man. I can do both. And then he says to the paralytic man, get up, walk, take your bed with you. And the paralytic man is on his way. The next confrontation that Jesus has with these religious leaders is when they see him hanging out with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners, or to be more politically correct, those who are marginalized and on the fringes of a normal, healthy society. And they're mad that he's hanging out with these kinds of folks. And the reason Jesus gives for hanging out with these people is that these people need help. Doctors go see sick people, not healthy people. I'm not here for the spiritually alive people. I'm here for the spiritually dead. In the next instance, these religious leaders get on Jesus' back about the disciples of John, how they fast, how the Pharisees, these men of God fast, but how Jesus' disciples don't fast at all. And Jesus' response, just boiled down, is like, look, the Son of Man is here. Why would you want to fast? This is a party. And again, these religious leaders are stunned at Jesus' brazenness. So that's the context in which we find ourselves in this passage. Jesus is doing incredible things, and he's trying to shift the way that these religious leaders think. And keep in mind, too, that he's just called these disciples. So there's probably a big shift that's going on in in their thinking as well. And one day, a Sabbath day, they're walking around, and they get kind of peckish. We read in verse 23 that one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So Jesus and the disciples are walking through this field, and they start to get hungry. Back in those days, that's how people did things. If you're hungry, you go to a field and get yourself a little snack. It's kind of like walking in the forest, seeing an apple, and plucking it from the tree and eating it as you go along your way. And that's just the kind of culture that they have, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with this except for one thing. They do this on the one day where you're not allowed to do anything like that. The Sabbath day. In verse 24 we read, These Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? 
Now remember, these Pharisees don't like what Jesus is doing with his disciples. They don't like that they're eating when they should be fasting. And they certainly don't like that they're doing something inappropriate on the holiest of days, the Sabbath. Now let me add a side note here, okay? We like to get on the Pharisees' backs because we have the benefit of knowing that they're wrong on so many occasions. However, they demonstrate genuine concern over how Jesus and his disciples are disobeying the law. They care for these people's souls. So we should cut them just a little bit of slack when we deal with them. That's just a bit of an aside. So the Pharisees have a big problem with Jesus and the disciples picking food out of a field on the Sabbath day. Now, why is this wrong? Well, the Pharisees, what they're, what they're doing is they're alluding to uh, the law of Moses as well as their tradition, the, the Midrash, their commentary on what the Bible, Hebrew Bible has to say. Honoring the Sabbath day was one of the Ten Commandments. It's 10% of the most foundational rule of law that God had instituted for Israel. And we find this in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. It says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who was within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let me say a couple things about this command. So this command to honor the Sabbath day is grounded in the truth of creation. God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested on this. um, And it's just, we kind of find that in the early chapters of Genesis. And because it is a special day, you're not supposed to do any sort of work. Neither you or your servants or any of your animals or anybody. And something we often forget in this conversation is that honoring the Sabbath day is a law in Israel. A law against working on the Sabbath is on the same plane as laws against lying, as laws against stealing, as laws against idolatry, and even laws against murder. So to violate this law is to violate a cornerstone of Jewish society during that time. Now, the Pharisees had this thing called the tradition of the elders, or the halakha, which is basically the handbook for Jewish living, and many Jews still practice this this book today. And what the common wisdom of the day was, was that it was a grievous error to pick food on the Sabbath, or even prepare food on the Sabbath. In the Pentateuch, we have some prohibitions like that. The children of Israel in the desert aren't supposed to pick manna on the Sabbath, so they have to store it up during the week so they won't have to go out and pick manna. And a dude named Philo of Alexandria, who was a a contemporary of Jesus, he thought the same thing. You couldn't go out into a field and pick anything on the Sabbath day. However, scholars will generally say that while this is a point of debate, the common wisdom, the consensus of the day, was that people should not work on the Sabbath. And that includes picking food out of a field. So what these religious leaders see is that Jesus is leading his followers astray from the law of God and the way that they interpret the law. And what Jesus does is he responds to them with a page out of their own book, literally. 
He describes a case from 1 Samuel 21 when David is fleeing from King Saul. He persuades a priest to give him some bread on his way to a secret meeting with some other conspirators. He says this, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who are with him? Now, what's interesting about this story is that the kind of bread that David and his men ate were specifically made for priests. It is unlawful for anyone else other than the priest to eat that bread. Now, that bread was called the bread of the presence, and it was used in Jewish worship ceremonies back in the day. And that bread of the presence would be set out each Sabbath for Yahweh, and it would remain there on the altar until the next Sabbath. Now, that bread got pretty stale, as you can imagine, during the week. And the priests would eat those old loaves as well as the new loaves. So the very fact that the priests would give David and his men bread means that this priest understood there was a higher ethic at work here. That the Sabbath wasn't just created to be observed for his, its own sake, but because, as Jesus says in the next verse, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, that's an interesting verse because whenever we talk about Sabbath, we always talk about it being just an invention of God, something God did after the six days of creation because he was bored, something that God wanted the children of Israel to do, and he just put it in there in the Ten Commandments. But what Jesus says is that the Sabbath was made for man, and that's pretty profound here. He's not saying that the Sabbath was created for a very specific time, for a very specific place, for a very, very specific people. No, what Jesus says with the Sabbath was created in the Greek, agoneto, for humanity, for anthropos, all of humanity. The Sabbath was made for everybody. So what Jesus says is that the Sabbath isn't just a legal mandate. It's a creation mandate, and its purpose is to serve all of humanity. And you start to to get that going in your mind, and you begin to think about the natural rhythm of the world. How trees lay dormant for a season in wintertime and don't bear any fruit. How certain types of vegetation, how certain types of vegetation have their seasons, and when they are harvested, they rest for another season. Think of how animals, how they go into hibernation for a time when it gets cold. The Sabbath was not just a time for God to chill or to rest. By taking a rest from his work and enjoying the fruits of his labor, God was embedding within humanity and within creation a need to rest and enjoy the fruits of their work. Remember, it was God who said that it was all good as he sat down at the cosmic temple that he had just created. It was a time set apart. The Sabbath day was a time set apart for to glory and revel in all that God had created, a time of enjoyment, a time of recharging. And Jesus' final word to these people is this Jesus' style, okay? He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Why? Because he created it. And that is that. The Lord of the Sabbath, if he says that the Sabbath was created for man, we should take him at his word. Now, oftentimes in our evangelical churches, what we do when we talk about Sabbath is the charge of legalism comes up. And I'm sure some of you are probably thinking that. And when I say legalism, 
I mean the, the charge of attaching certain practices or disciplines or behaviors to your faith in order to attain a special standing before God. It's adding to salvation. And you know what? You're not wrong. You know, Martin Luther thought the same exact thing. John Calvin thought the exact same thing. They thought that requiring Christians to honor the Sabbath day was basically telling them to disregard the freedom they had in Christ and live under the law. And you know, the New Testament never says that you need to honor the Sabbath day. It's the only one of the Ten Commandments that is not repeated. However, Jesus never says the Sabbath is over. And what did the apostles do? They just change it to a different day from Saturday to Sunday to honor the risen Lord. They never abrogate it. They never abolish it. Keep in mind that keeping the Sabbath is one of those Ten Commandments on the same plane as don't lie, don't idolize things that aren't God, and don't murder. So what do I think? What am I saying here? I think we should observe Sabbath as a time of physical and spiritual rest. Now, I don't want to be a legalist. I don't want to be legalistic, okay? All I'm saying is that we need to take a little bit of time out for our own sakes at some point in the week. If God designated the Sabbath day, a day of rest, a day of enjoyment, as one of the Ten Commandments, and even though we're not required to follow the letter of the law, but rather the spirit of the law, it makes sense that we make the Sabbath a crucial part of our daily lives. Now think back to that commercial I showed you at the beginning of the sermon. That commercial is a testament to hardworking Americans, all right? I like it. It empowers me. It's fun. We get bored with things really, really easy. Like he said, we went to the moon, we got bored. And we are on the cutting edge of innovation. While other countries slack off during the month of August, we're working to move society forward. We're the ones who work tirelessly to achieve our goals and create our own luck. And that whole commercial is just based off of half-truths. You see, since this idea of Sabbath, Sabbath rest, is grounded in creation— we see the benefits of taking Sabbath in our own culture. Before Henry Ford would come onto the scene, Americans would work 12-hour workdays. But Henry Ford came along, and he did something revolutionary. He decreased the 12-hour workday to 8 hours. And what was the result of that? Number one, his workers got to spend more time with their families and relax a little bit. And number two, his workers were actually more productive as a result, the accounting firm Ernst & Young did a study back in 2006 where they determined that for every 10 hours of vacation that their employees took, their end-of-the-year productivity would rise by 8%. NASA found that employees who took vacation for a week or two saw an 82% boost in their productivity. And a psychologist from Florida State University found that the best musicians of the world Don't practice six hours. Don't even practice five hours. Don't practice three hours. But only practice for 90 minutes a day. Take more naps and indulge themselves in more breaks. So if the Sabbath is something that's good for us, something that the Father designed especially for us and for our well-being, how can we do this in a way that encourages deeply needed rest while not becoming legalistic? I think a big part of it is to take a, take a pause from your schedule and take up a hobby. 
Some of us live by our schedules, our phones, our tablets, our calendars. But sometimes what we need to do is have these unscheduled times where we do whatever we want or don't do anything at all. Sometimes we're a slave to our work, to our busy schedules, and that genuinely affects the way we feel as well as our devotion to God in some capacity. Some of you will probably say, you know, Ben, I work three jobs. I work one job, and it takes 80 hours a week. How can I possibly afford to take any time off? That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying that those times you're able to get off and enjoy yourself, enjoy it to the fullest. Some of you will say, I hate rest. I want to be busy all the time. And I'm one of those people, all right? But we have to think, what's driving our need to be busy? Is it the sense of self, self-worth and satisfaction that we get and we find in our work? Is it the money that we get from working hard? What idol is it that drives us? Sabbath time is the acknowledgement that God will bless our efforts that time we work even though it will be more limited than usual. And we need to intentionally take times of saying that we will not be slaves to the clock. We are servants of one master. We won't be mastered by human time. And I don't believe that Sabbath should just be a time where we sit around and do nothing. I think it's a time for you to do something a little different. It's a good time to take up a hobby. For most of you, for some of you, it's maintaining your house, okay? For some of you, it's writing music, playing your guitar. For some of you, it's a nice long run. For some of you, it's like five, six, cup of co- five, six cups of coffee just for their own sake. For some of you, it's just a fantastic, fantastic book. And though, those are the times where we don't occupy ourselves with thoughts of success and work. Rather, they're times of finding deep rest and joy and enjoying the fruits of our labor. So that's number one. Another big thing we need to keep in mind that I think we should practice is we should know ourselves and know our seasons of life. Some of you find yourselves in extremely busy seasons of life. You're in school. You have a lot of young children. Either you're working several jobs or the one job you're working is extremely demanding. Perhaps your Sabbath time will be a little bit shorter in order to accommodate this season of life. But it doesn't have to be permanent. Successfully keeping Sabbath time requires that you have the wisdom and insight to know your limits and know yourself. Some of us who are extroverts, we love being around people. We always need that external stimuli. And perhaps Sabbath time is a time for us to enjoy time with our friends, enjoy a good meal, enjoy a good conversation. And some of you who are introverts, maybe Sabbath time is where you curl up with a good book and just enjoy that deeply needed me time. Sabbath is going to look different for every one of us. It would be great if we could all Sabbath on Sundays and just take this entire day off and not do anything, just enjoy ourselves. But that's really not a reality in our culture today. But it is a responsibility for all of us to pray and discern where we can find time to Sabbath in our daily lives. So know your particular season of life and know yourself. Another thing, too, is I think we should practice helping others Sabbath. I think one of the greatest things that we can do as Christians is to help other people uh, Sabbath. And if you look at Mark 3, verses 1 through 5, the next episode after the passage of Scripture we read, it says this, Again, Jesus entered into the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. 
and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, you know, these religious leaders, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. His hand was restored. Now this is kind of an extreme example here. But Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath and helped this particular man get the good rest from his worry, from the anxiety that he had because of his hand on the Sabbath day. And I think we who want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, it behooves us. We need to recognize people in our life who are in a particularly busy season and how they simply need rest. Either they're overworked, under-rested, occupied by a myriad of things. doesn't matter. One of the greatest ways to bless another human being is to find a way to help them Sabbath. Maybe you babysit their kids for an evening or whatever. Maybe you cook dinner for them. Maybe you give them a gift card to a great restaurant and say, Hey, we'll babysit your kids. We'll take care of everything. Go nuts. Go have fun. And the cool thing about it is, is that it just doesn't have to be Christians that we do this for. Since all people need Sabbath rest, since the Sabbath was made for humanity, like I've said before, it's grounded in creation. It's a great tool for ministry to help people rest on the Sabbath. It's like saying, hey, as a Christian, I believe that everybody deserves rest. Let me help you with that. Just as the way that Jesus helped the man who had the withered hand on the Sabbath, so we can help others Sabbath too. And finally, my last point. We need to practice worshiping on the Sabbath. Sabbath rest is the time to revel in God's provision in our lives. And it's a time to restore a right focus on the character and nature and personality of who God is. The apostles believed so strongly that the Sabbath was meant for worship that they changed the day from Saturday to Sunday in order to honor the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ, who rose again from the dead on the Sabbath day. Sabbath should be a time of right focus on the Lord of the Sabbath. And it's because of Jesus that we have true Sabbath, capital T, capital S, because he rose again on the third day. We don't find our satisfaction in working overtime. We find our satisfaction in Christ. We don't find our satisfaction in just taking a nap. We find our satisfaction in Christ. And Sabbath is really connected to the gospel, isn't it? It says in the book of Hebrews that we get to have true rest because the one who worked for our salvation, who died on the cross, who rose again on the third day, sat himself at the right hand of the throne of God. And if we believe in him, if we trust in him for salvation, then we will have true Sabbath like none other. If you do not know Jesus, I'd encourage you to do so. Because in him, you will have true rest from everything in your life. Sabbath is the time where we physically rest, spiritually rest, and enjoy ourselves. Now, that kind of leads me to my last point. And I was going to say this earlier in the sermon, but I I thought it'd be wise to save it to the end. On Easter Sunday, we're going to have a special service. 
Easter is a time where we celebrate the risen Lord, the risen King over the entire universe, how he conquered death, how he conquered sin, and sat at the right hand of God the Father. He's the King. And this, this Easter service, our theme is going to be rescued. Rescued from sin for life. Rescued from bad for good. Rescued from the pits of hell to live of life in anticipation of heaven. And I just want to invite you guys, encourage you guys to invite everybody you know who will benefit from this. There's going to be a very clear gospel presentation. We want this to be a time where we as Christians can celebrate our risen Savior. And we can find a time to to help others find him as well. So you won't want to miss that. Our true Sabbath is found in Jesus Christ. We can't forget that. Will you stand and pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that you give us time to rest in you. I pray that you'll help people in this congregation who find difficulty in resting. I pray that you'll give them strength to rest, Lord. I pray that you'll give them peace. I pray that you'll ease any anxieties that they have, Lord. Give them physical rest, but more importantly, give us all spiritual rest. I pray that you'll help us in everything that we do to honor you, the Lord of the Sabbath, and all that we do. In Christ's name, amen.